Today's reading comes from Revelation, verse chapter one, verses nine to twenty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the, of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard beneath. Behind me, a loud voice, like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatria, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned round to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I saw set, and I, when I turned, I saw seven golden lampposts. And among the lampstands was someone like the, a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash round his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were blazing like like fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, and as though dead, I, he then placed his right hand on me and said, "Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever." And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later: the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and of the seven golden lampstands. Is this? The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. This is the word of the Lord. Now, unfortunately, I cannot be with you in person today because um, uh, we tested positive for COVID and we we are isolating. But in any case, um, I'm, I'm I'm sure that God will still speak to us and will still be minister too. Now, what I'm hoping to do here is not to preach a whole sermon, uh, but to to walk through to to walk through the passage with you. Uh, so that when you go back home, in your personal study or in your group discussion, you you have pointers to think about to help you think about this passage. So that's what I'm hoping to do, um, and let's see how it goes.、Um, so I am going to read the passage, and、uh, I will pray,、uh, and then we'll begin. We are in the book of Revelation.、Um, And、uh, we're in chapter one,、uh, chapter one, verse nine、uh, to twenty. Now I'm reading through the ESV.、Uh, if you're following along in the Church Bible, I,、um, I please do, and keep your Bibles open. Revelation chapter one, verse nine to twenty. I, John, your brother. And partner in the tribulation, and the kingdom, and the patience, endurance, that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos, 
on the account of the of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in the book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pagnum and to Theatra and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire, his feet like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like a roar of many water. In his right hand he had seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like a sun shining, full, shining full, in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he, he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys to the, of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, and that are the things that you have seen, those that are, are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars and the seven angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. That's the word of God. Lord, we do thank you for today. We thank you even in these strange circumstances. You are still the same. You are still in control. We pray that as we study your word this evening, that you help us to see you, to hear your voice, to see your majesty for who you are, and respond appropriately, Lord. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. Now, somewhere along the way in my Christian journey, I had a wise teacher who told me that whenever I read a passage or a book that seems strange or unusual to me, one of the best things I could do is to resort to the old, old reporter's questions, and that is where, when, what, who, and why. And I was told, rightly told, that I'll be amazed at how the most strange, difficult, tricky passages that I would read would, would, would as it were, crack open as though I was tapping them with a hammer. And that is certainly true as we come to study our strange book, the book of Revelation. I think it must be I think it must have been strange for the people who first received it, as is to us. You see, 
the book of Revelation is filled with these strange pictures, but pictures that do not correspond to anything we know in this world. And it's only and only when that we ask these old reporters questions. Where, when, who and why that these strange pictures start to make sense to us. And when we do, we quickly realize that everything in the book of Revelation gives us a presentation or symbols or hints about the majesty of Jesus Christ. And that's why at the beginning of this book, of the, Revel the beginning of Revelation, the hero of the book, the main character, the one whom the book is written, steps onto the stage and shows through John something of his majesty. This strange passage and these strange descriptions like hair like wool, eyes like a flame of fire, feet like banished feet like banished bronze, and a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth make sense only when we ask these questions where, when, what, who, and especially why. So let's try and ask these questions about our passage today. We'll start with the when and where, because it has a lot of significance uh, to John's vision. We are told straight away that John was on the island of Patmos. Now Patmos is a small Greek island, which is barren, mountainous, with a surrounding calculated to, dis to discourage John's will and hope. And you can imagine that back in John's day, Patmos was not on the top 10 holiday destinations. John was on Patmos for the sake of the gospel, for preaching the word of God. Now, remember that John is the disciple whom Jesus loved uh, back in, in the gospel John uh, chapter 13. But John goes on to write about himself as a partner in suffering and in God's kingdom. Why? Because we know from his ministry, churches were planted and people of all ages and nations came to follow Christ because of him. And that's why the Roman authorities decided that John, the ringleader, should be exiled, put away, so that this movement of the gospel spreading, this Christian movement will be stopped and discourage John at the same time. But on this island where John is exiled away from everyone else, God gives him another chance to see Jesus. He gives him a vision and a commission to write a book and he does not do that just for John but for the seven churches in Asia and for us today. Look at verse 10, what he says. Look, at, look in verse 10. He says that he was in spirit on the Lord's day. Well, it was a Sunday on Patmos, and John was in worship, was deeply in worship, and he was worshiping God in spirit and with the spirit. Now, you might remember the story of the Samaritan woman when Jesus told the Samaritan woman that, a time is coming and has come now when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. 
God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit. Worshipping had moved away from buildings and places, but worshipping God and spirit. And so John worshipping in spirit, in tune with the Holy Spirit, so much so that suddenly he had a loud voice behind him like a trumpet that says, write a book, write what you see and send it to the seven churches. You see, the vision John is about to get is not meant just for him, but for us. And the point of writing it down is to transmit that same kind of experience of seeing Jesus that John had, that we also experience that. Notice that John is not making up an imaginative fantasy on how he wants things to turn out. No, John is obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. He writes this book of Revelation because Christ had told him to do so. You see, as John was called to write a book, Jesus calls every single one of us here because he has revealed himself to us. He calls us to live for him, to worship him in spirit. But he does not only call, say that, he does not only call to worship him, he calls us to tell others about him. And he clearly states this in the Great Commission in Matthew, saying, Go therefore and make disciples. Teach them to obey all the commands that I've given you. Jesus calls us to worship him in spirit. That's the when and why. And let's move on to the who. In verse 1 uh, of Revelation, uh, you quickly realize that this book is not about John. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Look at what verse 1 says. It says that God gave the revelation to the Son. Christ made it known by sending his angel to his servant. And John wrote it down for the churches and for us. This is Christ revealing himself in all his majesty to us. You see, as human beings, we are incapable of knowing Christ through our own efforts. We cannot understand because our hearts are corrupt. We cannot comprehend who God is because our minds are unaided. But Jesus, through his word, reveals himself to us. Now, notice that when John described what he saw, he uses the term like to describe it. You see, John is simply doing what impression artists do. Describing Jesus, describing what Jesus is like. But instead of using oil and paint like artists do, he uses words borrowed from Daniel chapter 7, verse 8 to 14. Now I'll encourage you in your own time or in the group discussion to flip over to Daniel and have a read. John describes Jesus like, like the Son of Man. You might remember in the Gospel that Jesus uses this term uh, to, to refer to himself, speaking of his manhood, his humanness, who was tempted though without sin, but also sympathizing and touched 
by our own weaknesses. He describes him as his head and his hair were like were white like wool. You see, speaking of God's eternity, divinity and purity, he does not decay or grow old or lose his power. And the eyes that search deep into our hearts that we cannot hide anything from God. His his feet banish like bronze that tread down on all his enemies and execute all his judgment. And his voice that speak of the God who make himself heard in words of salvation and comfort. And the sword. The sword is a symbol of his authority and power that teach and judge. Like the writer of Hebrews puts it, this is what he says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God. Christ is perfection. How can we stand before him? How could such glory as this ever bring itself in association or union with a wretched sinner like me. But Christ's words in the following verses provide a wonderful application for that, for us, which brings us to the what and why. You see, Christ graciously reaches out his hand and places it on John, directing him back to the cross and the empty womb and the empty tomb. This is what he says, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. Jesus became man. He died in our place for our sins and rose again, and through this our sins are forgiven, and death holds no power against us meaning that Jesus is in control. He controls when we die, how we die, because he has been through this for us. The keys that Christ has in his possession demonstrate this. Like the prison guard, he decides who get locked in or locked out. But after John had seen all that glory, he is commanded again, write Therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place. You see, history is not just drifting aimlessly along, but everything deliberately points to the return of Jesus Christ. And there will be no doubt when Christ returns. Jesus is coming back as king, but also as judge. No one, no one will escape him. He was given the authority, the glory, and the power. But look at what he says in verse 20. He's holding the seven stars and the seven lampstands in his right hand. He says the lampstands are the church. And I think this is such an appropriate symbol for the church because the church is to be the light of the world, shining witnessing for Christ, who himself is the light of the world. And if the church is not doing this, then it's not being a church. Do you remember the Apostle Paul's call to the Philippians church to become blameless and pure? 
children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. You see, it's not the business of the church to make truth or alter truth or improve truth even in this day and age where people think truth is relative. The business of church is to receive the truth, stand firm upon it, strive sincerely for it, preach it, live in truth, and if necessary, die for it. You see, the Lord Jesus walks among his churches. He holds his church in his right hand and is present within it. He's saying, do not be afraid because I am the living one. But instead, like John, worship me in truth and spirit.